Well, good morning, South Oaks Church. Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, today is Valentine's Day, and uh, that holiday is one that just celebrates love. Some people give cards. Some people give candy. Some people give flowers. I got some really great flowers for my husband. They're beautiful. Uh, and some people don't do anything. So what's your favorite part of Valentine's Day? Chocolates, yeah. Um, for me today, it's got to be flowers, right? Since that's what I got for my kids. So, hey, and Valentine's Day uh, wasn't always around. You know, at the time uh, Jesus was on Earth, at, there was no Valentine's Day to celebrate. It started about the fifth century. The Pope declared February fourteenth as Saint Valentine's Day, and it came to be known as a day of romance from about the fourteenth century. And formal messages or valentines appeared then at the 1500s. And by the late 1700s, there were commercially printed valentines cards that you could go get and uh, give to your loved one. The first commercial valentines in the United States were printed in the mid-1800s. So they haven't been around that long, you know, just a little over about, what, about 150, 160 years here. And the holiday has expanded to expressions of affection and love among relatives. I remember when I was little, I remember, you know, you'd get that piece of paper and fold it and have, and have to cut out that little heart, and then you'd, like, put little stickers on it and give it to someone you loved, and that was fun when you were a kid, right? Well, that's kind of about love, Valentine's Day, and so today our message, it's really great how it worked out. Our message today is about love, but real love, what it means to really have love. And as we look at the scriptures at first, you're going to say, wait a minute, what does that passage have to do with love? Well, you'll see. Hang in there all the way to the end and you'll understand. But turn to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start reading at verse 17. Um, Luke 6, 17. He, who is Jesus, went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you <clears throat> when people hate you, <clears throat> when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Lord, we thank you for this passage of scripture that we're looking at today. Father, I pray you'd give us wisdom and understanding. Holy Spirit, apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this account takes place right after Jesus 
has selected his 12 disciples. Up until now, there's been this big group who've been following and would continue to follow, and they were from all over. So he takes these 12 disciples who he wants to work with the most, the closest to him. And they all go to a spot where Jesus can stand on a level place and speak to the large crowd. These people were also called disciples because they followed Jesus and they listened to his teaching. And they were from all around, from the region of Judea, the city of Jerusalem, and it tells us even the cities of Tyre and Sidon. So just so you know, these cities of Tyre and Sidon are even north of Israel. They're into what is Syria. So I have a question for you. What brought these disciples there from all over, do you suppose? I guess because they went out. Well, they hear a message from Jesus that was appealing to them. They heard a message that was appealing to them. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know more. Some of them needed healing. Yeah. So we find if we look before this part of Luke, in chapter 4, it says, All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus is using this time to uh, speak to this large crowd as kind of ministry training. These are God's values that he's teaching them. And this is radically different from the world's values. This is something new that most people hadn't heard before because these are not the values that the Pharisees were using. And so he's talking to the people who've been marginalized, who've been mistreated, and Jesus tells them that they're blessed. The word for blessed means that God extends his benefits, his provision and favor when they're poor, hungry, grieving, and persecuted. And he says, blessed are the poor. And this is more than just physical poverty he's talking about. This is referring to everyone who suffers oppression and poverty. People who are suffering because they're God's people. And in Isaiah 49, 13, at the end of the verse, it says that God comforts his people because they'll have compassion. He'll have compassion on his afflicted ones. So God has his compassion on his people. And Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of God then. And so what's interesting is that this kingdom, he doesn't mean like out in the future someday just then. He means even just right now here on earth, in your life and also in the future. Ephesians 1.18 tells us that when we're followers of Jesus, that we have riches of inheritance, riches of glory. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then he says, not only are you blessed because when you're poor, but you're also blessed when you hunger. Those who are hungry, who are earnestly desiring, those are the people that he says will be filled and satisfied. In Psalm 145, verses 16 and 17, it says, You open your hand. This is David writing this about God. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. 
The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Blessed are you who hunger because you will be filled. And then he says, blessed are those who weep, those who grieve, those who are mourning. He says, you will laugh, you will have joy. Isaiah 61, 2 to 3 says that he wants to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. So God wants to heal those who are dealing with terrible issues that make them weep and mourn. And he will bestow on them joy. And then Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who weep. And blessed are you when men hate you, when they detest you, when they don't esteem you or respect you, when they exclude you, when they separate you, when they insult you, when they revile you, when they cast blame on you, then you are blessed. And he says, when they reject your name as evil and ruin your reputation, when they say evil about you on account of the Son of Man. So what does that mean to suffer these things on account of the Son of Man? Doing the will of God. And the enemy's not happy, right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. If you're slandered or mistreated because you're a follower of Jesus Christ or because you're following the will of the Lord, these are precious words for you. These should encourage you when you go through times like that. There was a time when a former leader accused Pastor Steve and me of something that was not true, and it was shown in not too long a time that it was false. But at the time, it was so hurtful and so painful, and it was at a time when we were stepping out in faith to follow the call on our lives from God. And I read these verses at that time, and they are indeed comforting to those in the middle of the fire. When you're going through a tough trial, these words are comforting when you know that you are right with God. Pastor Steve read, our verse for the day was Matthew 5, 11, and I want to read that again and also verse 12. Because uh, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The apostle Peter understood this too. He talked about going through tough times. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So he's saying rejoice. Uh, you know, and that word rejoice, rejoice it means like leap for joy. <laughs> the spirit of glory and of God rests on you, he says. That's a promise you can cling to in those difficult times. These four things, poverty, hunger, grief, 
and being slandered, these are things that those early disciples probably could relate to because they were not in the top of the power system, not in the top of the society. And so these were people that would have been dealing with issues like this. So when Jesus says, you're blessed, another translation of blessed is envied. So he's saying, you're to be envied, you're, you're blessed. It is a reverse of what that culture would think. I mean, they would think if you were blessed, you would definitely not be poor, hungry, or dealing with someone saying evil against you. And Jesus takes this a step further. He takes what he's just said is blessed, and he compares it to the opposite. And he says, woe to you. Woe, a warning to those he mentions. The opposite state of the blessed. He compares, here's the blessed the poor, the hungry, the, those grieving, those whose name are being slandered. And woe to you if it's the opposite here. And he's saying, woe if you're rich, if you're fully resourced, because you've already received your comfort. And woe if you're well fed, if you're filled up and satisfied, because someday you're going to go hungry. And woe if you laugh now, because you will mourn and you will weep. And woe when all men speak well of you, when you're well thought of, when they admire you. Because that, how that is, that's how people treated the false prophets in the old days. And in between the lines, he's saying, and no doubt if there were Pharisees there, they, they understood, they got it. Jesus is saying, you might have it good now, but watch out because how you're living there's going to come a day that there'll be a reckoning. You are like the false prophets. And here's how they were like the false prophets. Because they were speaking words that were not true. They were not speaking the words of the Lord. In Jeremiah 23, 16, uh, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds and not from the mouth of the Lord. When we speak what the Lord is showing us, we want to make sure that it is from Him, and we don't add our opinion or our desires to it. We want to make sure that we are really speaking the real word of the Lord. Sometimes you might be reading a word that someone says, this is from the Lord, and, and you might read some of those online, and uh, they claim to have heard from the Lord, but in your spirit you're sensing, that's just not right. I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel that's right. So if that's the case, don't receive that word. And with any prophetic word you ever receive, the first thing you want to do is pray and ask God, is this for me? Is this a word from you, Lord? And then wait for the confirmation of the Lord. Amen. So then Jesus goes on. He said, you're blessed when you're like this. Woe if you're like this. And then he says in verse 27, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great. You will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So he's just explained how these people are blessed, these marginalized people. And then he gives them this other thing about how to treat those people who are the ones who are slandering them and mistreating them and trying to make their reputation ruined. He's saying, okay, now what do you do then with these people who are slandering and insulting you, who are rejecting and excluding you, people who are trying to do you in? Would you say people like that are your enemies? Yeah. Then Jesus tells you, love your enemies. <laughs> wow. That is difficult. So how do most people want to treat their enemies? Not like that. Not like that. Pay them back. Pay them back. Yeah. Most people don't want to treat their enemies very well. And Jesus here says, this is what real love is like. So what is real love? Real love is that we love our enemies. And the word here for love is agape. And that is the love of God. That is a special kind of love. And we're to show that love to our enemies. The word enemies there, uh, I, <laughs> the definition there, um, and when you look in the original language, is someone who is openly hostile, bent on inflicting harm. That would have been like the person I mentioned earlier who slandered us. Uh, that's their goal, is to cause you harm. But Jesus says, to love them. If I love someone, I'm going to pray for God's best for them. That means that if I am told to love my enemies, I don't stew about what they did to me. I don't sit and worry and think about that, what they did. I forgive them and I move forward. I move on. I don't stay back here at the incident. I move forward. Because if I live back there, first of all, I'm doing harm to myself emotionally, but I'm also not able to show the love of God if I'm focused on that. I need to forgive them and ask God to give me his love and move forward. And Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the cheek, then turn the other cheek to them too. Let them strike both cheeks. Okay, this little history here on this, this was a very insulting, demeaning act. Uh, at that time. <clears throat> to slap someone with the back of one's hand is what he's talking about here. And that backhanded slap was very insulting, very offensive. In fact, in Jewish law, if you slap someone with the palm of your hand, you would be fined. You would be fined 200 zuzims, which is a coin. 200. But if you slap someone with the back of your hand, you'd be fined 400 zuzims. That means the backhanded slap was twice as offensive. It was regarded as a double insult, an insult worthy of a double fine. So in, under Jewish law, if you 
were slapping someone like that, you were fine because you have humiliated that person by slapping them with the back of your hand inflicted double damage on them. But Jesus says, even if someone slaps you, turn and let them slap the other cheek. He's saying to love that person who slapped you and humiliated you. And in spite of the fact that you could bring them to court, the app, because they've harmed your honor, they have really done something against you, God's way, the agape way, is to love them and to not seek retribution. Is this how you and I treat people who wounded our pride or insulted us or done something against us? Is this how we interpret those verses? See, Jesus says, show the agape love of God to those who have openly mistreated you. And then he says, do good to those who hate you. Ooh. This is another difficult one, right? <laughs> okay, most of us want to avoid people who hate us. I don't know about you, but I'm not wanting to sit around and hang out and have coffee with people who hate me. It makes the most sense to us to try and stay away from people like that. But Jesus says to us to do good to them. Okay, Romans 14, 17 and 19 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. See, that's the thing. We leave it in God's hands. We let him deal with it. He wants us to not repay, but to love. And then Jesus told him, hey, if someone takes your cloak, and that would be the outer coat, that'd be kind of hard today, right? If someone takes your coat, Jesus says, let him take it. And not only that, but let him take your shirt too, your tunic. And this was the thing that was next to the whole body, uh, next to the body, so it's the whole outfit. He's saying, let him take everything. Treat those who hate you with good. And this word good means with honor. And in fact, it is the exact same word as used in that verse 26 where he says about speaking well of someone. Treat them with honor. Speak well of them. Ouch! How do we do that? How do we treat those who hate us with good and speak well of them? That means I don't rat them out. I don't badmouth them. I speak well of them. Man, that is only possible with the love of God in my heart. A step further, he says, and bless those who curse you, who make threats and false accusations against you. Jesus didn't say it was only true if the the other person's another believer. He says anyone, anyone. That's difficult. That takes real agape love. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. And if I bless someone, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not sitting in judgment of them. I'm letting God deal with that. I'm asking God to, even a step further though, I'm asking God to bless them, and I'm trusting God to take care of that situation. I move forward then, and I move forward in God's love. Jesus also asks us to give to anyone that asks us. 
If they take what belongs to us, we don't demand it back. That's so different from how we live today, isn't it? I mean, we're so focused on what's ours, what's right and what's wrong, and we probably gasp when we hear what Jesus is telling us to do. It seems impossible. And then he says, pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, the prayer shouldn't be, God, get them back for me. It's a prayer of blessing, that they would be the person that God created them to be. A prayer that they would experience forgiveness. Because as Jesus said, we want to treat others as we would be treated ourselves. All the while, God is saying, don't just love those who love you. And, do, and don't just do good to those who do good to you. We get that. We're probably already doing that. That's really easy. They didn't need encouragement to do more of that. Okay. All the while, Jesus said, there's no credit in that, if that's how you're acting. Even sinners do that. Oh, so it must be easy. <laughs> you don't even have to follow Jesus to act like that. What Jesus is saying is that we need to love our enemies and do good to them and lend to people who probably can't pay you back. I heard of someone lending money to a family member and charging them interest. This is not how we should live. <laughs> this is not what Jesus is saying to do here. The test of real agape love is to love others and live the way that Jesus is saying. Matthew 5:46 says, If you love those who love you, what reward would you give? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? That's sinners in that, that, in that society. They thought that tax collectors were on the bottom of the social structure. So he's saying, hey, even tax collectors are doing that. The real test is when we can love our enemies, when we can bless our enemies, when we can pray for our enemies, when we can do good to them. Leviticus 19.18 says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is part of the law that they were raised with. Our neighbor. Okay, we think of our neighbor. When you think of your neighbor, you think of someone who looks and thinks a lot like you, right? And when they don't, that's when it gets difficult. We don't normally want to spend time with the neighbor of the opposite political view. That's a different discussion. Or a different religious group. Or no religious group. Or someone who looks different than us. But Jesus didn't say that we get to choose who is our neighbor. Your neighbor is anyone in your neighborhood. Or anyone you work with. Or people in your family. And we are to love them with agape love and love them as we love ourselves. Listen, agape love is shown by action. Just like that video talked about, real love is shown in action. Real love does good things. And real love doesn't seek reciprocity, doesn't look to receive something back. I can show you the love of God and never be concerned about you showing the love of God back to me. 
Jesus told them then, if we love others like that, our reward is great and we'll be sons and daughters of the Most High. Being sons and daughters means that we look like our Heavenly Father. We act like we're a part of the family. We show his love. Because the character of God is that he is kind and good to the ungrateful and the wicked, is what Jesus says. And that should be part of who we are too. We should be kind and good to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, be compassionate, just as your Father is. The love of the Father, that's real love. And that's the love that you and I are supposed to show to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who threaten us, and pray for those who mistreat us. It's a tough act to follow, but God gives us what we need to be able to do it, the power of his Holy Spirit within us. We just need to ask to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit, and maybe Several times a day, depending on <clears throat> what you're going through. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It is possible for us to do this, even though it seems really difficult at times. But only if we surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ can we do it. And if we have a desire to daily become more like him, that's how we can show agape love. 1 Corinthians 13, 16 tells us, be on your guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous and strong. And verse 14 says, do everything in love. Would you stand with me? We want to do everything in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. So as we close, I just ask everyone, just bow your heads. At home, just be thinking about this. What comes to your mind when I say your enemy? Who comes to your mind? So how many of you would say you've been mistreated or wounded by someone? You've got some people who, they kind of fall in that category of openly hostile, bent on harm. If you, how many of you have encountered someone like that? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Okay, so now, in response to what we've heard today, just with your heads bowed, just think of that person that's offended you or mistreated you, and take a moment now, that person that God brought to your mind, and just forgive them. Pray and ask God to help you and tell him, I forgive whatever name that is. Just take a moment. And now the hardest part, pray a prayer of blessing for that person. Just pray a prayer of blessing. Lord, we thank you for this message from Jesus to us today about what real love is. It's not during those easy days, it's during those tough days that we can really show the love of God.
Father, I pray that you would just fill us up from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet with your power, with your love, and with the ability to show others that love. Father, I just pray that uh, the people that we thought of, Lord, that you would help us to forgive them. And Lord, we know that maybe we're going to go home and the devil's going to want us to pick that thing back up and start having a grudge again. But Lord, we forgive them. We lay that down at the foot of the cross. We, Lord, we leave that with you. And instead, Father, we pray that you would give us a love. Show us how much you love that person, how much you want them to be the people you created them to be, how much you desire that they be in relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to show others your love this week, even when things are tough. And Lord, we just pray that you bless those people. Bring them to forgiveness. Lord, help them to uh, want to be like you too. Father, we just pray for us to be the kind of people that there's a difference about our lives and how we live it. And so today on Valentine's Day, which is about maybe a different kind of love, Lord, we celebrate your love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much. You sent your son to die for us. So we don't have to worry about our sins, Lord. Jesus died for those. And Lord, we receive that and we receive your forgiveness. We receive what you have for us. Lord, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be who you've created us to be. And Lord, thank you that Jesus Christ didn't just die for us, but he rose from the dead. And there's power available to us every day to be able to live through those tough times. Lord God, right now we pray for healing. If our hearts have been wounded, Lord, we pray for your healing. Just flow through us, Lord. Help us be able to trust you with all this. And we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>